It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And this is Dennis Bernstein with Greg Pallast. We bring you the Election Crimes Bulletin every week on Flashpoints on Thursdays. And uh, so today is no different. Uh, Greg Pallast, welcome back to Flashpoints. We've got quite a special show for That's the folks. Right. We have a an amazing guest in the form of John Boniface. He's the president of Free Speech for People. He's a marvelous uh, frontline attorney for the people. And uh, we've got you and him today. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, John, by the way, is a uh, MacArthur a genius awardee, so you know where to, uh, if you need to borrow 300 bucks for your new Princess Mara tie, Dennis, <laughs> you know right. to contact. Thank and you. He is, um, and a, a long history of human rights work and, and voter protection also taking on the issue of the money poisoning of politics. Right now, uh, John Bonifaz, uh, president of, uh, of the Free Speech Organization, is bringing an action legal action to bar um, Marjorie Taylor Greene from serving again in Congress. John, can you tell us about your case? Thank you. Are you you there, John? Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, I can. Uh, So this is a case challenging the eligibility of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene to appear on the 2022 ballot based on her role in the January 6th insurrection. Under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, anyone who takes an oath of office to defend our Constitution and then turns around and engages in insurrection is forever barred from holding future public office again. This was an amendment, as we know, enacted after the Civil War. This provision was designed to deal with ex-Confederates who were in positions of government power or seeking positions of government power, and the framers of the 14th Amendment wanted to protect the republic and not allow these high-level insurrectionists to be able to stay in power in government at any level, federal, state, local office. Now we have to apply that critical provision to the most recent insurrection, the second insurrection in our nation's history on January 2nd, I'm sorry, January 6th, 2021. Uh, And Congresswoman Green is one of those members of Congress who helped to facilitate the insurrection and cannot be allowed to appear on a future ballot. She's disqualified under the insurrectionist disqualification clause of the Constitution. What do you got? What do you got on the lady that that makes her an insurrectionist and disqualifies? By the way, as um, besides the evidence, has anyone ever used? Part 3 of the 14th Amendment, we all know Part 1 of the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause. Has Part 3 ever been invoked? Well, it was invoked, actually, in the era of Reconstruction era after the Civil War. In fact, half of the Tennessee Supreme Court was removed as a result of this provision. People were barred from public office throughout the country. Um, and this challenge is is based on the fact that this provision of the Constitution is alive and well. It's it's never been repealed. It was there not just to deal with the ex-Confederates, but to deal with future insurrectionists as well. And we're down dealing with the outcome of people who participated in the insurrection, who had taken that oath of office to defend our Constitution, 
and now must be barred from future public office. For Marjorie Taylor Greene's sake, I mean, she basically engaged leading up to the insurrection in a series of actions and statements, all of which were designed to promote the insurrection, to promote the, the engagement of people, thousands of people that day to storm the Capitol. The day before uh, the insurrection, she called it our 1776 moment, in which she clearly meant and code language for uh, the extremist groups that were assembling the following day, that if they weren't going to get their way with the objections on the floor of the House and the Senate to certain state electoral votes, that they needed to use uh, you know, the, the necessary means, all necessary means, including violence, to get their way. She also said in a video uh, days before the insurrection that we cannot allow power to transfer peacefully. She put peacefully in quotation marks saying how Joe Biden didn't win the election. Another clear call to her supporters, her hundreds of thousands of supporters on Facebook and millions of others who would see this that January 6th would need to involve this kind of attack on the nation's capital. Uh, there are multiple statements, tweets, videos that she's issued leading up to the insurrection that make the case that she helped to facilitate that insurrection and now must be held accountable. Okay, uh, this is Greg Pallast um, talking to John Boniface. You're in Ohio, right? And, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Massachusetts. Oh. In Massachusetts now, okay. So it uh, and I'm at the KPFK in the Southland, ninety point seven on your dial, and we have our host Dennis Bernstein up in the Bay Area, KPFA. So and, keep and it let me locked. just jump in here. Thank you, thank you, Greg, and thank you, John. It's incredibly interesting. Um, I have to ask you, John, why isn't the Attorney General of the United States doing? The work. Why is it up to independent activists like you, civil rights activists, to hold these kinds, uh, these folks accountable? Do, do you, are you concerned that the attorney general is slightly out of town on these crucial cases? I appreciate the question, Dennis. We are very concerned about that. In fact, we actually issued a statement in November of last year, calling on Attorney General Merrick Garland to resign because he was not up to the job at this critical moment. When he came into office uh, in early 2021, uh, we issued a statement with a coalition of other groups, uh, a statement we initiated calling on Attorney General Garland to start an independent task force at the Justice Department to investigate Donald Trump and his associates for all crimes they may have committed. There's been no indication whatsoever that that kind of high-level investigation is happening. I know there's people out there who say, well, at any moment, he's going to unveil some grand jury proceeding. But, you know, there's no indication that there are these kinds of witnesses like Marjorie Taylor Greene being called before a grand jury. We would know about it if that was happening. Uh, and there's no indication that Donald Trump himself is being held accountable. And, and that is a serious concern. We need somebody in the Justice Department who's going to lead it, irrespective of what political calculation there may be, and apply the rule of law to everyone, including the ex-president. But the other thing to note here is that the House Select Committee, as much as it's important what they're going to unveil in their hearings in June, they have made a decision, apparently, 
that they were not going to, in their investigation, subpoena any members of Congress to testify under right. oath. Now, I know there's been a statement made by the chair of that committee, Benny Thompson, today that they're going to call, they're going to seek to have members of Congress testify as witnesses, but they're not yet subpoenaing them. And unless they do that and try to enforce those subpoenas, uh, you know, that that's it's not going to happen. They're not going to show up uh, voluntarily. We know that. Uh, and, and that's why this proceeding last Friday before a state administrative law judge in Georgia, in our case, challenging Marjorie Taylor Greene's eligibility is so important. It's the first time in American history that a member of Congress has been placed under oath to have to answer questions about the role they played in an insurrection. Uh, and I think it needs to happen more than her. I, and we have cases in North Carolina against Madison Cawthorn that's pending on appeal. We have cases against uh, Congressman Gosar, Congressman Biggs in Arizona, also pending on appeal. But this was the first time that a member of Congress had to face these questions. And of course, she constantly said, I don't remember, I don't recall to all these pointed um, questions. John Boniface, Attorney John Boniface of Free Speech for People, speak to us from Massachusetts. This is Greg Palace. You're listening to Flashpoints. Uh, uh, John Boniface, could you tell us how uh, the other Congress people you're going after, could you give us some examples of some of the provocative things? And I should let you know that we've had uh, con we've been doing a continuing investigation reports on Ali Alexander, uh, Alex Jones, and uh, the groups that formed that led the illegal march from the Ellipse to the Capitol, which um, obviously um, uh, then led to uh, the, the break-in at the Capitol, that illegal march. So we have some familiarity, some of the people here. Could you tell us about um, Gozar, Biggs, Ali Alexander, and what they did to foment this insurrection? Yes, well, in fact, Ali Alexander has named Gosar and Biggs as two members of Congress he worked closely with with respect to the events on January 6th. Uh, Paul Gosar, in particular, during the insurrection, promoted it, uh, you know, publicly uh, on, on certain channels. He promoted the insurrection, uh, and, and Biggs was very much a part of the planning of it as well. Uh, Madison Cawthorn took the stage at the pre-attack rally with Donald Trump uh, to demand that people uh, fight uh, with respect to seeking to overturn this election. Uh, and all of them have been named as helping, including Green and, and Cawthorn, have been named as helping to plan uh, the events. And, you know, the value here of bringing these challenges is that it demands that these members have to answer uh, to these questions. Now, we have been temporarily blocked, at least, with respect to the challenges in North Carolina and Arizona, and we're on appeal there. But we won a, a significant federal court ruling in Atlanta that allowed this challenge to proceed against Marjorie Taylor Greene. And that ruling, in which Greene rushed to federal court to try to block the whole thing from happening, that ruling is going to serve as an important precedent going forward with these challenges under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, including against Donald Trump, should he seek to run for office again. Now, uh, John Boniface, um, our information is that at least Gozar, Biggs, and Ali Alexander had been informed that it was illegal to march and that there was no permit and that the uh, park police had been promised again and again that there would be no march from the Ellipse 
to the Capitol, but but of course um, Trump called for that march, and that was that. Uh, is your information that these Congress people knew that it was an illegal march to go from the ellipse to um, to the Capitol? Well, I'm not able to comment on that, but I can say that I think it was pretty clear from uh, Gosar's statement about providing blanket pardons to anyone who would participate that he envisioned there would be legal activity happening and, and violence. Uh, and that's why he he offered that kind of blanket pardon uh, for anyone. So Before the events. I think it, to, to, to some, let, let me clarify this, um, John Boniface. So you're saying that Gozar actually talked about pardons before before the mayhem. That, that's our understanding. Offering pardon. And, 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 and the fact is, is that, you know, both he and Biggs uh, in this challenge in Arizona need to testify under oath, just like Green did. And what happened here is that a Superior Court judge who was appointed by Republican Governor Jan Brewer some years ago, uh, he decided that he wasn't going to even let this evidentiary hearing happen on two grounds. Number one, he said that voters don't have a private right of action under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now, that makes no sense because the state law allows for challenges to candidate qualifications. This is a qualification to not engage in insurrection after you take an oath of office and yet qualifications like age and residency those are allowed under the challenge law so that that part of the ruling doesn't make sense and the other part of the ruling doesn't either which he said the qualifications clause of the constitution means that only congress can decide who shall be seated and the states have no role so based on his ruling as of today a 14 year old can seek to be on the ballot in arizona for congress and the state has no role in reviewing their qualifications because he, based on his ruling, thinks only Congress can do so. Or a foreign national could seek to run for office in Arizona to, for Congress, and the states would have no role. We're appealing this ruling. It needs to be reversed, and both Gosar and Biggs need to be put under oath to be asked all these questions. And what is the status of the cases at this point? With well, Taylor in Arizona, Green. When, when we literally just them? yesterday filed our appeal before the Arizona Supreme Court in North Carolina on May 3rd, next Tuesday. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit will hear an expedited appeal in that case. That case did not get to proceed uh, because a federal court judge, a district court judge appointed by Donald Trump, decided that an 1872 amnesty law providing amnesty for ex-Confederates he, he believed that also applied to Madison Cawthorn 150 years later. So oh, we're, we're pre-pardoning a crime. Can you pre can yeah, you pre-pardon exactly. a crime? All perspective, all perspective insurrectionists in his view are covered by that amnesty law. It makes absolutely no sense and is contrary to legislative history and the text of the amnesty law and the amendment. And further, you can't amend the Constitution via a, con uh, a congressional statute. You have to go through the Article Five process of passing an amendment bill and saying to the states for ratification so it's it's just a, a wrong ruling on the law and we're appealing that and then in georgia we're filing our post-trial brief tomorrow the judge there will then have uh, you know as a time for him to review that brief as well as what green files we have filed a motion to supplement the record based on revelations this past monday that she did in fact send a text to the 
former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows advocating that Trump implement martial law to try and stay in power. She was asked directly about that under oath last Friday, and she claimed she didn't remember. So we're seeking to supplement the record with that. Wait, but she, that excuse judge me. We'll make John. Yeah. You're saying Marjorie Taylor Greene couldn't remember if she told the president to declare martial law? Right. It's not believable, right? I mean, if you're going to tell the president or the president's chief of staff that martial law ought to be declared to keep them in power, you're going to remember that. You're going to remember that. Let me jump in, if I could, for yeah. a moment, because we're running out of time. Yeah, yeah, Dennis yeah. Bernstein here with, with Greg Palace. It's the Election Crimes Bulletin. We're speaking with the MacArthur Genius uh, Award winner, John Boniface, uh, President of Free Speech for People. We're talking about... Uh, I have to ask you the big, dumb question. Uh, everybody knows... Donald Trump was number one in going for this. Uh, what the hell is going on? Why Why is he going to be allowed to run for president again when he's already attempted, including having folks show up with uh, a, uh, a, a hanging operation for the vice president? Why? Where, where, where is the attorney general? Where is he? Where is this, is or do white men walk? Rich, is this the, the case? Yeah. Rich white men walk. Dennis, you're absolutely right. This is not a dumb question. This is the central question. Where is the attorney general? Why is it that the insider in chief is not being held accountable? You're absolutely right. He should not be on any ballot in any uh, state in the future. And yet we're acting like somehow this is just a political matter and that the voters will have to decide that is not what the framers of the 14th amendment uh decided when they put section three of the 14th amendment in there uh they were there they designed it to protect the republic uh and right now we have an existential crisis in our democracy we have an insurrectionist in chief who's seeking to run for office again and not facing any accountability for the crimes he's committed including the crime of insurrection, which is in the federal code. So we're committed at Free Speech for People to working with courageous voters around the country to file challenges to Donald Trump's eligibility should he try to appear on the ballot. But I agree fully with you that we shouldn't even have to get there. We should see an attorney general and a Justice Department using all of their power to enforce the rule of law against this ex-president. Well, well, John Boniface, Greg Pallast in L.A. asking you... Uh the, the question from the devil, the devil's advocate question. Why not just beat Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and, and Congressman Koz, uh, Gozar and the rest of the insurrections? Why not just beat them at the ballot box? Why stop? Well, you know, running? look, that, that's an important question. We, we're a nonpartisan organization. We're not involved in electoral activity. But our, our answer to this is, is precisely about our nonpartisan defense of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. You know, it didn't it didn't address the, the foot soldiers of the Confederacy. It addressed the high level insurrectionists, the people who had taken that oath to defend our Constitution and then turned around and engaged in insurrection. And so what we're about with this project is ensuring that that mandate of the insurrectionist disqualification clause be upheld. These people are threats to the republic, not just to the voters of their district, but to the entire republic. And they do not belong on any ballot. And that's the meaning 
of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Now, if people disagree with that, they should go about trying to repeal that section of the 14th Amendment. But it is not a dead letter. It is part of the Constitution, and it needs to be upheld. Uh, and one other question uh, for you as a kind of headline, because we got to bring you back, because we know that your organization, Free Speech for People, is doing tremendous work fighting vote suppression in uh, not only Georgia, but in uh, Texas, Colorado, Arizona. Can you just give us a headline? What's the most dangerous thing out there besides these insurrectionists staying in Congress? What's the most uh, a dangerous thing that we're facing, say, in Texas and Arizona in terms of uh, the right to vote? I think it's the concerted attack uh, by legislators in those states to create voter suppression laws that are targeting communities of color, targeting voters of color, and trying to suppress their votes. That is a huge, huge concern for our democracy. And the other one I would add right next to it is these extremist vigilante groups engaged in going door to door with their voter intimidation campaign as we're challenging in Colorado, trying to intimidate voters from participating in the process, saying they voted fraudulently, scaring them. This kind of activity is illegal under the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and we're engaged in a federal court fight right now around that in Colorado. Are you aware of the mass challenges in Georgia, in fact, emanating out of Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, uh, coordinated by True the Vote out of Texas? Are you on? Are you aware of, of the mass challenges there by True the Vote? One minute. Well, I've heard them. I'm not. We're not involved in them certainly, but I'm certainly aware of them. Yes. Okay. Well, very good. We need to get you and the Free Speech for People team back on to the, to get into the details of the horror show uh, at the ballot box. And thank you so much for coming on, really? John Bonifaz, the Free Speech for People. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Dennis. Really. Honored to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. And you are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. That's Greg Palast. I'm Dennis Bernstein. I used to be anyway. This is the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Tune in next Thursday for the next adventure into fighting for your vote with Greg Palast. I'm Dennis Bernstein, and uh, we're out of here. Thanks, Greg. You're welcome.